chapter 24. Luke 24. Hallelujah. And I want to read verses 1 through 8 today, starting off. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, angels. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Oh, hallelujah. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Hallelujah. Well, you know, as Christians, we are celebrating the most triumphant and the most victorious day in the history of mankind. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it is the most triumphant and most awesome day in history. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if there's one thing that Satan wants to keep the unbeliever blinded from is the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. It is not just a good story. It's not just a good bedtime story you tell to your kids. It is a fact. It is reality. Are you hearing me? And we as Christians must realize that we have victory through the risen Christ. But listen, I, I, I wish the, the pictures would have been up there. Because before we can fully appreciate the victory that Jesus purchased for us, we must fully comprehend and understand the amount of suffering that he went through on our behalf and the great price that he paid. How many of you ever seen The Passion of the Christ? Powerful, powerful movie. I mean, it, it's not the kind of movie you want to sit down with popcorn to. Are you hearing me? And, and to be honest with you, I believe that that movie doesn't even sh start to show the beginning of what Jesus went through. Are you hearing me? So, so take what you've seen on that movie and just multiply it. Matthew 26 and 27 gives us a detailed description of the suffering that Jesus endured. endured, He was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Now, I know, you know, we, we just kind of hear that and we think, okay, yeah, big deal, he was betrayed by... But listen, he spent three years every day with these people. People, I mean, these were the close ones. Are you hearing me? These were the close ones. He was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. He suffered an agonizing night in the garden of Gethsemane. He watched as one of his most beloved and loyal disciples, Peter, denied him three times. No, not just one time, not just a mess up, but three times Jesus watched this happen. He faced the Sanhedrin, the high courts, where the chief priests and elders rejected his testimony of who he was. 
The people, listen, the people chose to have a murderer, Barabbas, released instead of Jesus himself. Now, uh, you know, that's a sermon right there. We could just camp out on that to show you how twisted and how perverted the world system is. Hello? Jesus Christ, a man, God, God in the flesh, who went around healing and doing good, filled with compassion, filled with love, and the people say, we want a murderer released. Now, if people can be that deceived, are you hearing me? That, that just shows you how, how crooked this world is. He endured, Jesus endured the crucifixion and the nailing to the cross. And the greatest price that Jesus I, I probably faced is being rejected for a time by his heavenly Father. When he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, Why? Have you forsaken me? Total separation. Why? Because Jesus became sin on that cross. God the Father had to turn his head. He had to turn his head. Jesus became sin. The sin of the whole world. Everything you can think of. Everything the devil has to offer. Everything the world has to offer. Jesus took it upon himself. Think about that. Now the book of Isaiah gives us a very vivid account of the suffering that Jesus would go through on the cross. This is prophesying about the coming Messiah. Turn there, Isaiah 53. We, we must appreciate what Jesus went through. We need to know this. Because if you don't know the price he paid, I guarantee you, you're going to put very little value on what he did guarantee you oh no no i believe he did it no 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 we need a revelation of this fact isaiah 53 1 through 7 oh i like how this starts out right here who has believed our report listen to this and to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed for he talking about jesus the messiah shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground he has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely, I read this at the healing service, surely he has borne our griefs and carry, carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Why? Because he became sin. He was sinless, the spotless Lamb of God, but he became sin. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. I'll tell you right now, I am so glad... That Jesus Christ did not open his mouth. I am so glad he endured what he endured. 
Because if he didn't, we would. Are you hearing me? See, Jesus could have changed his mind in the Garden of Gethsemane. Did you know that? He could have. He had a free will. He could have changed his mind. Because, listen, Jesus was just as human as you and I were. Yet he was God in the flesh. He was just as human as you or I. If he wasn't, the sacrifice wouldn't have counted. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, the Bible says. He had to come as a man. Are you hearing me? Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Thirty-six through forty-four. I want to look at. It says, "Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to the to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there.' And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he, well, how would you feel if you knew you were going to go to a bloody cross?" Are you hearing me? He was just as human as you or I were. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little, little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he, Jesus, went away and prayed saying, Oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Three times! Three times Jesus said, Oh, Father, if this cup can pass from me. But I'll tell you right now, I thank God for one word. The one word Jesus said. You want to know what that one word is? Nevertheless. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, Father God. See, the word nevertheless has power in it when it is used to submit your entire life to the will of God. Did you hear me? When you and I use the word nevertheless in connection to the will of God, there's power in the word nevertheless. In your life as a Christian, when you are in your garden of Gethsemane, because I'll tell you right now, if you haven't been there yet, you will face the garden of Gethsemane. Where you're, faced, you're at a crossroads in your life. You can go your way or you can go God's way. What are you going to say? I hope and pray that you say, nevertheless, not my will, but Father, yours be done. Never stray from the will of God for your life. Be a doer of the word no matter the cost. 
If God's in it, it will lead to victory and it will advance his kingdom. Did you hear me? It will. No matter the cost, follow God. Follow the word of God. Even when circumstances seem to be so contrary. Well, I can't do that. Well, you know, if I lie on my job here, I'll I'll, I'll be promoted. Oh, no. Anytime you step outside of the boundaries of the word of God, be sure your sin will find you out. Are you hearing me? You go God's way because God's way is the best way. The word of God says in Romans 12 that we, Christians, are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our, it says this, our reasonable service. Whatever God is asking of you today, it is very small in comparison to the price that Jesus Christ paid on that cross. That's why it's reasonable. It's just your reasonable service. Presenting your bodies, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God means that you are willing to allow God to flow through you to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter the cost. It's your reasonable service. And it's interesting, as a Christian, the Word of God says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How many of you read that somewhere in the Word of God? Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want each one of you Settle it in your heart to be a vessel that God can use to shake the nations of the earth for Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Just settle it in your heart. Jesus accomplished many wonderful things during his earthly ministry, did he not? But the fullness and completion of that purpose, of that mission, was made manifest from the Garden of Gethsemane, all the way through the cross and to the resurrection. Are you hearing me? There is one thing, listen, there's one thing that cannot be disputed when reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about the life of Jesus. You want to know what that is? You cannot dispute this. And if you, can't, if you try, you're ignorant of the Word of God. Jesus knew his purpose Jesus knew his mission for why he came to earth, why he was sent. Let me tell you this. Jesus did not suffer with an identity crisis. As some deceived theologians like to make you think. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew why he came. And he was going to fulfill it. John 1.29, turn there with me. Ah, these, these stupid shows you see, you know, these, these supposed theologians, which they're, they're simply just mouthpieces for the devil. Well, Jesus didn't really know who he was. Jesus didn't know, you know, he, he just kind of struggled a little bit, and he didn't know where he was supposed to fit in, and... How demonic is that? He knew exactly who he was. Are you hearing me? And that's why 
He spoke with such boldness when he preached when he was on the earth here. In fact, people made comments and said, man, Jesus, you speak with as one who has authority. Remember those scriptures? Why? Because he knew who he was. He knew who he was representing. He knew where he was going to go. Look at this. John 1, 29. John the Baptist didn't seem to have a problem to know who Jesus was by the Holy Ghost. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, listen to me now. The sin problem has been dealt with on a universal scale. The provision has been made. Now, I know there's a nasty there's nasty teaches, teachings going around that it says, well, you don't have to accept Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the whole world. You don't have to do anything. You just go out, live like the devil. You go ahead, you go to the bar, you go to that party tonight. Yeah, you can smoke a little bit of this uh, drug here. You can do a little bit of this, and you'll be okay because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, right? Let, the provision has been made. But now you've got to tap into it by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not automatic. It's up to each person, personally, to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by faith. And, and listen, God does not have grandkids. You cannot ride the strings of your mommy and daddy's faith because each one of us are going to be held accountable to what, what have we done with Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Go to Hebrews 9. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9. I want to look at verses 24 through 28. And let me just warn you about something too. About these deceivers who are preaching this junk around the world. The devil will always. The devil just doesn't feed you straight poison. Are you hearing me? He doesn't walk up to you with a pitchfork and horns. Are you hearing me? There's always a little truth in it. Oh, oh, how about when the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses come to your door or whatever? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes, he's the son of God. Listen to me. They are a cult. False. Hello, it's getting kind of quiet in here. There should be a good amen right there. They are a cult, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Because people's eternal life depends on us exposing this junk. We need the word of God. Are you hearing me? Yeah, yeah. God's not politically correct. I found that out. Amen. I can't believe when people stand behind a pulpit and and they won't say anything because they don't want to ruffle feathers. Well, Jesus didn't have a problem with ruffling feathers. Are you hearing me? Because it's done out of love. We want to deliver people out of this bondage. We want to deliver them from the pits of hell for eternity. Are you hearing me? Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. It says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, meaning the earthly tabernacle, okay, which are copies of the true. Man, there's a whole sermon on that. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, 
as the high priest enters into the most holy, they're referring to the Old Testament, Old Covenant here, uh, most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have would had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, has he, has, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Hallelujah. Listen, Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is our spiritual lawyer. Are you hearing me? Jesus is pleading our case before God the Father in heaven. When a person puts their faith in Christ, Jesus presents your name before the Father. Are you hearing me? He's our lawyer. And the, listen, the evidence that we have been made righteous by faith in him is his own shed blood that was poured out of the spotless lamb of God. Listen, it's called the great exchange. The great exchange. Jesus took our sins and we put our faith in him. He makes us righteous. Whiter than snow. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The filthiest drug addict, the filthiest prostitute. Listen, if Hitler himself would have made Jesus Lord of his life after even all the, the, the terrible things he did, the blood is strong enough to even wash his sins away. Are you hearing me? The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us in heaven. He's got our back through faith in him. His work through his death, burial, and resurrection is complete. Nothing was left unfinished. Are you hearing me? Jesus is not going to climb up on the cross again. It is finished. Now listen, Satan and evil spirits do not want people to get a revelation of that one fact. Some religions or denominations want to keep Jesus on the cross. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ is alive and well, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. You know what I'm saying? I mean, some people just want to make it a constant, perpetual funeral. Yes, we're supposed to remember his death. Absolutely, I'm not taken away from that. But people, I'll tell you right now, he is alive. We need to celebrate it. We need to be joyful of that fact. And when people don't have a revelation, listen, even when a Christian really doesn't tap into it, that's why they start to backslide. They get into this cycle. Oh, here we go. No joy. Oh, here. Are you hearing me? Satan does not want you and I to get a, a revelation and, and hold on to this fact that Jesus is alive. That he's not going to get back up on that cross. Every provision you and I need on this earth, huh, it's finished. It's finished. Now, Jesus has put the ball in our court. Are you hearing me? This is very important now. This is where a lot of, 
a lot of denominations and stuff, they, they'd kind of go off and decide, well, you know, well, Jesus did it. If it's the will of God, it's going to happen. No, 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 no. The provision's there, yes. Listen, the prison gate has been opened, but you got to get up and walk out of that prison. The promises are in the Word of God, absolutely, but you got to claim them. You got to stand on them. Are you hearing me? Jesus' part is totally complete. And he's asking us this as Christians. Christians, will we grow in grace? We're in a period of grace here. We can't earn this thing. Are you hearing me? But are you going to grow in grace? Are you going to take advantage of it? Or are you going to use your liberty, as the Bible says, as an occasion to the flesh? Yes, there's liberty for the Christian. You, you hear me? There is liberty. You can... You can but are you going to use it as an occasion of the flesh to sin? Or are you going to grow in grace? Are you going to grow spiritually? Take advantage of what God has done for you through his son Jesus Christ. Will you devote your whole life and every breath that you take to him? Will you truly be his ambassador, his disciple on this earth? Listen to me. Will you be partakers of the divine nature and promises that Jesus shed his blood to give us? Well, what do you mean, divine nature? You look it up. It's in 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, we as Christians are partakers of the divine nature. That's not saying we're God, but if you're a Christian, God lives in you. If you're a Christian, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And we can live a higher level than the world. Don't kid yourself. And if you're not, you're just cheating yourself out of what Jesus did for you. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 20 through 21. Hallelujah. It says, now then, we Christians are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. Say through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, lived a perfect sinless life, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus Christ. This is interesting. What I want to pull out of this right here is that we as Christians have been given, the Bible says, the ministry of reconciliation well listen to me i you know i'm not a minister i you know i work a secular job no 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 brother sister if you're a christian you have a ministry and it's called the ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors or representatives of jesus christ this passage says that we as christians are literally on jesus's behalf by the authority backed up by heaven. We have the authority to literally compel the lost to be reconciled to God. And, and this says when we do that, that's literally Jesus through the Holy Spirit compelling the lost to come in. When, when we are faithful in, in sharing Christ with others, that is saying, I'm telling you, get a revelation of this. That's Jesus working in and through you to reach the lost. The ministry of reconciliation because of what Jesus Christ has done. Listen, 
Can you feel the heartbeat of God today toward the unsaved and backslidden? He knows, unsaved and backslidden, that your days are numbered. And this is a call of desperation today to you. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let another day pass. You don't know when you're going to take your last breath. It's appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. Well, I'll just do it on my deathbed. What if you, what if you don't have time? It's Russian roulette with your life. It's Russian roulette with your life, people. Don't be lost for eternity. Jesus Christ is the only door to salvation. There is nothing, listen, there is nothing more precious or joyful on this earth than to know that you are a child of God and that his eye and his blessing is upon you as a Christian. Backslidden, unsaved, come on, listen to me. Those, the, the, the trash you're getting involved in, that peace, that joy that you're looking for. Haven't you find, found out it's a dead end? You're not going anywhere. You're not going to find it in recreation. You're not going to find it in dr drugs. You're not going to find it in sex. You're not going to find it in anything but Jesus Christ. So today, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. See, we have the authority to say that, it says in the scripture. On the authority of Jesus Christ himself, I invite you, unsaved, backslidden, I compel you to put your faith in him before it's too late. He is drawing you to himself. Listen, what an awesome invitation. What an awesome invitation from the master and the creator of the entire universe. That a God that is so huge and immense can make himself so small to come into your life that he would care enough about you individually. The Bible says that all the hairs on your head are numbered. Every hair on your head has a number. That's what that literally means. You're special to God. And he is imploring you. He's compelling you. Come, come. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. We need to feel the heartbeat of God for the lost and for the unsaved. For that's why Jesus came. Are you hearing me? Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, come on, and, and the sin which does so easily ensnare us, or you could say, or trips us up in life, and let us run this Christian walk with endurance, the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking Unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sitting at the right hand of, at the throne of God, that literally means he's finished. Everything that needed to be accomplished, it's done. That's literally what that means. 
But listen to this, people. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Jesus kept his eyes on the finish line. This is very important for you Christians here. When you feel like you can't go any further, when it feels like the attacks are too strong, when it feels like the persecution, oh my goodness, you need to look unto Jesus. You need to behold that finish line. You need to keep going and and know there is joy at the end of this tunnel that we call life. Are you hearing me? Jesus kept his eyes on the finish line. And do you want to know who he was really thinking about? You and me. You and me. Do you understand that? The joy that was set before him. It was love that made Jesus keep his mouth shut and not call upon legions of angels to help him off of the cross. Don't kid yourself. The son of God, he could have done it. It was the love of God on the inside of the Lord Jesus Christ that motivated him to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done in the garden of Gethsemane. It was love that kept him on the cross. Oh, and you thought it was nails. No, you're sorely mistaken. It wasn't the nails. It was love. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And listen, I want to give a revelation to someone here this morning. This also reveals to us that Jesus takes joy in not only our sins being washed away, but Jesus also takes joy in people walking in divine health and receiving their healing. Did you know that? What? Well, what do you mean? If you're at the healing service, you would find out that salvation is a package deal. Not only are we going to live in heaven in the by and by, thank God for that, but oh my, healing belongs to us, deliverance belongs to us, protection, oh hallelujah, divine protection. Jesus takes joy in every aspect of salvation when we tap into it. He takes joy in seeing the captives set free. He, see, he takes joy and pleasure when someone gets delivered from depression and anxiety and can rest in the peace of God. That passes all understanding. Are you hearing me? Jesus takes joy in his people walking in the blessings of his salvation. Jesus come, 1 John 3, 8 says, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus takes joy in destroying the works of the devil. I like that. And you should too. As a Christian, you need to take joy and pleasure every time uh, there's a dismantling of Satan's kingdom. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Now listen, for some of you in this place listening to me on the radio and internet around the world, that might be a different picture than what was painted about Jesus in your mind. Because I'll tell you right now, dead religion does not paint that picture of Jesus Christ, does it? 
Well, that thorn in the flesh, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with that. The rest of my life, this, this cancer, whatever it is in, in your body, oh, you're just going to have to suffer with it. God's grace is sufficient. Listen to me. Let me say this. I got to say this. I was going to say it for the healing medium. I'm going to say it again. The thorn in the flesh was not a sickness or disease. It was persecution. If you read it, it says there was an evil spirit following him around, stirring up persecution. Now, why did God say, my grace is sufficient for you? Why did he say that then? I'll tell you why. You ready for this revelation? Because we as Christians are not promised to be delivered from persecution. Listen, Jesus said on this earth, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have persecution for my name's sake, he said. Did he not say that? So when God, when, when God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, uh, you know, people look at that and say, well, if it's a sickness or disease, God didn't say he would heal him. No, no, no. He's talking about persecution. And the reason God said, my grace, my strength, my favor is, is, is good enough for you, is sufficient for you. Because we were never promised as Christians to be delivered from persecution. If you're a Christian, you're going to have persecution. If you're not having persecution as a Christian, you better check. You better do some examining. Are you really making waves for Jesus Christ on this earth then? Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. See, I, I just get the feeling sometimes that Satan doesn't like it when I talk about that Paul's, th that thorn in the flesh thing like that. I just don't know what it is. You know what? He likes to keep people in bondage is what it is. Are you hearing me? Well, it's time to be set free. Jesus paid for your freedom. He paid for your deliverance. He paid for your healing. Hallelujah. As a Christian, through Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from Satan's kingdom We've been delivered from spiritual death or separation from God, that literally means, and we've been delivered from hell. Colossians 1.13, look at this. It said, he, Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. That word power there, really you could switch that and do no injustice to the word by saying authority. We have been delivered from the authority of darkness and conveyed conveyed us into the kingdom of the dear son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now jump with me to verse 20 and 21 in Colossians 1. It said, and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. Talking about through his shed blood. Listen, this is what you got to get deep down in your spirit, believers. As a Christian, we have been legally been delivered out of Satan's power or authority. You understand that? This is a legal thing, by the way. The spiritual realm, there's, there's a legal thing about this whole spirit realm thing. Did you know that? As a Christian, we have been legally delivered from Satan's power and authority. An unbeliever 
is a child of the devil. Literally, you, don't, you, you legally do not belong to God. You do not belong to him if you're an unbeliever. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, your daddy is Satan. All right? That's a fact, Jack. Unbelievers, listen to this reality. You are nothing more at this point a punching bag for Satan and evil spirits. You're a puppet on a string. You're in bondage to sin. Your nature, you have the sin nature in your spirit, man. That's all you do. That's all you can do. Are you hearing me? And you're on your way to an eternity in hell in the lake of fire without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so let me say it again. This is due to the fact that you are a sinner because you still have the sin nature. And when a person makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, that sin nature in their spirit, man, is washed away. And that's what we call regeneration or the born-again experience, okay? Now, listen, did I say that a Christian never sins? Come on. Now, this is the lamest, lame excuse for every unbeliever. Well, there's just hypocrites in the church. Hello, did we ever say we're perfect? No. So you're going you're, you're to use me then as a stumbling block so you can go to hell for eternity. Is that what you're saying? Okay, that's what you're saying. Christians are not perfect, but they are set free from the bondage of sin legally. Now they have, we have a free will. We choose to go God's way, or, come on, you can choose to go sin way again. That's what's called backsliding. You're backsliding. You're going back. You're not moving forward with God. Are you hearing me? And there is a point where you can backslide so much. Come on. The Bible literally says you can fall from grace. Now, do, do I determine that when you've fallen from grace? Does any person? No. Who knows it? Only God knows. My question is, do you really want to chance it? Is it really worth your eternal life to fall from grace? Once saved, always saved. Another deception by the enemy. You know, I found out that message does nothing except for help people sin. It, it enables them to sin. Well, once saved, always saved. Well, I said a sinner's prayer and, uh, hey, you know, I go to church. Well, let me say this. I say it all the time. Coming to church, coming to this building doesn't make you a Christian any more than me standing in my garage makes me a car. The question is this. Where's the evidence that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? Good works won't save you. Listen to me. But if you truly have faith in Christ, good works will follow. It's called fruit. Do you have fruit? And if you have fruit, is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? I hate eating a bad apple. Don't you? Well, anyways. But listen, so of course I'm not saying a Christian never sins. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. See, is it possible to live a holy life? Is it possible to live that life, victorious life over sin? Absolutely. Or else God would not command it. Are you hearing me? Because we as Christians have the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome any temptation, 
We have the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome any sin in our lives, any addiction in our lives. What it really boils down to, how bad do you want to overcome that bondage in your life? That's what it comes down to. Well, I just can't do it. I can't. No, 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 no. How bad do you want to get rid of this thing? You can do it. Again, yes, it's resurrection power. The resurrection power of the Holy Ghost abides in you. The question is, are you hooked up to him? Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit? Are you asking for his help every day? Are you hearing me? Let's face it, most of our problems in life stem from making bad decisions on our part, right? Now listen, so Christians aren't perfect, but listen, the Christian soul or mind needs to be renewed by the Word of God, according to Romans chapter 12. We need to renew our mind with the Word of God. And the Bible says when you get saved, or I'm paraphrasing this, basically when you get saved, if God tells us to renew our mind with the Word of God, that must mean it doesn't happen right when we get saved. It's not an instant thing like the born-again experience. Are you hearing me? That means that our responsibility is in it. We need to renew our mind. And uh, to be honest with you, that's why there's so many backslidden carnal Christians on this earth. Because their mind is so full of the world's trash. Their mind is so full of junk and not the Word of God. Right? Let's just break it down. Our minds need to be renewed. Really, our soul, our mind needs to be connected to our spirit man. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Are you hearing me? And whatever you feed in your life will be the strongest. Amen? But listen, do you want real peace? Do you want real forgiveness with God in your life? You won't find it in, in dead religion. You won't find it, come on, in the traditions of men. You won't find it in rituals you won't find it by holding on to some beads, saying a prayer until you got sweat rolling off your face. Are you hearing me? It's only found through the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in Him, in Him, and His shed blood. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins and make us whiter than snow and righteous in the sight of God. So listen. According to the scripture in Colossians, when a person makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, listen, there is a divine shift. There is a divine address change, if you will. The moment you make Jesus Lord of your life, the Bible says you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Legally speaking, Satan has no authority over you. That's why you can boldly come against this sickness, disease, and infirmity in your body. Are you hearing me? That's why you can boldly come against this bondage in your life. Because really, legally speaking, Jesus has the say-so in your life. Now, wouldn't it be weird if I came up to Eliana and I started telling Eliana, go give me some water. Go do this. Go do that. Go do that. No, Chris and Laura would look at me and think, uh, hey, that's not your kid. Who, 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 who are you to talk to my child like that? Guys, look at the spiritual aspect now. 
The devil comes along and tries to put something on our body, tries to bring us into bondage, bring this temptation our way. Are you hearing me? We need to talk back to the devil and tell him where to go. Leave us, leave our family, leave this ministry. Are you hearing me? Because Jesus legally has the say-so. But you know what? Christians are, can be like a puppy dog and do whatever the devil says. Because they do, we do have a free will. Right? No, no. You've got to recognize that you have a heavenly father. And Jesus Christ is your Lord. And you can reject everything. You tell the devil, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to receive your package, devil. No way. I send it back to the sender. Hallelujah. But listen, so when you make Jesus Lord of your life, there's a, a divine address change. And at that very moment, God becomes your heavenly father. Listen, you need to take hold of this. Even before you can do one good work. Okay, all right, I know that, that kind of fell on there. Huh? Let me pick that seed back up and try to sow it again. Ready? Ready? Here it goes. When a person makes Jesus Lord of their life, puts their faith in Jesus Christ, immediately they become a child of God. Before you can even go out and do your first good work. Well, I'm saved now. Well, to really guarantee to, to snag the deal, I better go out and feed the poor today. No, no, no. It's been done by faith. This could set someone free if you really take hold of this. What about the thief on the cross? Jesus didn't say, well, you know what? If you get down, you get on your knees, you say 10 Hail Marys. Yeah, you're going to be with me in paradise today. Are you hearing me? Before you do it, that just goes to show you it's faith in Jesus Christ that clenches it. So you don't have to live in condemnation and guilt. Day by day, minute by minute, just follow Jesus. And you'll be all right. Are you hearing me? All right. 2 Timothy 1. I mean, I, I know I'm uh, giving you some quite a bit here today. But uh, listen. Some of you I got once a year. Huh? I got to take advantage of this opportunity for crying out loud, huh? <laughs> That's a little Easter joke. Come on now. All right. <laughs> Second Timothy 1, 6 through 12. It says, therefore, I remind you, this is the Holy Ghost. Come on. Through the Apostle Paul, speaking to Timothy, a young minister here. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which was in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, or meaning because of that fact, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings. I know immediately people's minds, when they hear suffering, they think sickness, disease, but... No, 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 no. Persecution, persecution. 
but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a, come on, holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, there it is, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, hold the conviction that he, Jesus, is able to keep what I have committed unto him until that day. Hallelujah. Listen, I just love the wording on this. Jesus has abolished spiritual death, is what it's really referring to, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's why 2 Peter 1 says that we are partakers of the divine nature. Now this is powerful. That's why as a Christian we can boldly say, Oh death, where is your sting? Listen, physical death, let me not touch on this. Physical death for the Christian is merely a transition of our spirit man stepping out of this earth suit to be with Jesus for eternity. That's it. If a loved one that was a Christian has passed on in your family, it's not a goodbye, it's a, I will see you later. Are you hearing me? Our hope in Jesus Christ, that's where our hope remains. Without Jesus Christ in your life, you know what? You have a valid excuse to be depressed. You have a very good reason to have those ulcers. You have a very good reason to have fear in your life. Are you hearing me? Oh, I like that, don't you? A loved one, it's not a, it's not a goodbye. It's a, I will see you later. Some of the testimonies of Christians who... Had, had Christian loved ones go on when some people had near-death experiences or they died for a specific time and, and they went up, they actually went up into heaven. Then, you know, the doctors revived them, they come back in their body. So many testimonies and they're all congruent, man, I'm telling you. They said, I went into heaven and, and I seen my mom there, I seen my dad there. They came up and they hugged me and welcomed me and most of them say, someone came up to them, a family member and said, it's not your time to be here yet. You, got, you still got something to accomplish down there on earth for Jesus. But listen, family members running to them. When you get to heaven, you have loved ones who died in the Lord. They're going to run to you. You will see them again. You will. And friends, this is the importance of reaching out to your family. They need Jesus. You need Jesus. So we can have that glorious reunion one day. And all sit at the throne, around the throne of God, worshiping the Lamb of God for the eternities of eternities. Are you hearing me? For the Christian, it's a win-win situation. Hmm, 
persecution. I got to deal with some persecution and maybe not being liked for some people. But for eternity, I get to be in a joyful bliss in, in the presence of God for eternity. You know, I, I just, eh, uh, no brainer. Now you can see how deceptive Satan is in getting the unbelievers, blinding them from the truths of the word of God. See, I will not give in to the spirit of fear, but I will yield myself to the Holy Spirit. I choose to yield to the Spirit of God on this earth as a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you? In the face of persecution and danger, we can boldly say as Christians, Father God, you are my refuge. Come on now. You are my strong tower. You are my ever-present help in trouble. Father, you're going to carry me through this. I don't know how I'm going to come out of this. All I know is Romans 8, 28. That's all I know. God, I don't have the wisdom on this. I don't know how you're going to do it, Father. But all I know is I'm going to stay close to you in my life. And Romans 8, 20, 28 is going to come to pass. All things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes, that's why the Bible says when you've done all you can do, stand. Just stand. What does that mean? It means just stand on the word. Stand. Just stand on it. There's nothing else you can do. Stay close to Jesus. Are you hearing me? Because if you do, all things are going to turn around. I just love it. Satan and evil spirits can't do one thing to us. That God can't turn around and turn it into a win-win situation. Are you hearing me? I want to close with one last scripture right here. Ephesians chapter 1. Someone needed to hear that today. You've done everything you do. You're kicking, kicking against the wall. Friend, all you can do now is just stand on the promises of God. That's when you got to fight the good fight of faith, the Bible says. Oh, come on now. Did you hear me? The Bible says it's a good fight. It's a fight. It's a fight. But it's not a fight in the natural. It's not a, it's not a fight in the natural. It's, it's the fight of faith. You need to let go of what you're holding on to, and you need to just trust God. Whatever you're going through, someone needs to hear this right now. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. This is not the book of man. This is the Word of God. Are you hearing me? He's speaking to the believers in Ephesus here. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Boy, their love must have been pretty good. Their faith must have been pretty powerful if Paul was hearing about it all over the place. I could preach right there. Do not cease. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Hallelujah. And he put all things under his feet. Are we the body of Christ? Last time I checked, feet are part of the body. Even if you're a foot in the body of Christ, if you're acting as a foot in the body of Christ, you're still above Satan and evil spirits. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is powerful. Paul was motivated by the Holy Spirit to pray for these believers. Real quick, just look at 17 through 19 again. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. If there's one thing that Satan hinders us from getting is more revelation, more wisdom in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know why? When you get revelation, well, you just might want to act on that then. That might just be something that's going to strengthen your faith in the Word of God then. Are you hearing me? The, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, not hope, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? There's a glorious inheritance for Christians. And we can tap into it on this earth. The fullness now, the fullness, you've got to wait till you get to heaven. But friend, there's enough glorious inheritance to put you and I over into victory in this life. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Notice it doesn't say to him that, that doubts. Toward him who's double-minded. The exceeding greatness of his power toward us who What? believe have faith in who put everything we have in jesus christ according to the working of his mighty power the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives in believers now let me ask you this what is impossible to accomplish what is impossible to overcome for the christian i'll tell you right now nothing Nothing is impossible. All things, Jesus said, are possible to him who believes. And the last thing, the reward of Jesus' suffering for his body, the church around the world. How does Jesus get his reward? By his body, us, the church, Christians, going out, carrying on with his ministry on this earth. Preaching, teaching the gospel, casting out demons, setting the captives free, laying hands on the sick, watching them recover, preaching the good news. Friends, that is the reward. If we don't do that, Jesus does not get the reward that he's looking for from his death, burial, and resurrection. If you agree with that, with that say amen, and let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. That's it.
That's it. What can I say? We have victory through the risen Christ. We have victory through the resurrected Christ. Now, maybe there's someone in here you have never made Jesus Lord of your life. You are still legally a child of the devil. You've never taken that step. Well, friend, today is the day of salvation. He's, he's inviting you. He's compelling you. The Holy Spirit is quickening you, convicting you. And he's saying, come. 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 If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward today. And I want to pray with you. So you can have a new birthday, the born-again experience. Maybe there's someone in here, you, you made Jesus Lord of your life a while back, but... You know what? You just feel like you have backed up so far away from Him that you have fallen from grace. You, you have fallen away. You have tasted of the gift before, but you've fallen away. If you need to rededicate your life today, I want you to come forward to this altar. And I want to just pray with you. I want to just pray with you. Settle it in your heart today. Rededicate. Know that you know that if you took your last breath, you're going to heaven for eternity. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit baptism is a second experience. That's very clear in the book of Acts. If you've never received it, Him, the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come forward. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe you have a, a sickness or a disease in your body. You have an emotional infirmity. You feel in bondage to fear, depression, anxiety, whatever it is. You need prayer for any kind of a healing. I want you to come forward this morning. The rest of you worship the Lord and thank Him for His shed blood, for His sacrifice on the cross.
else never made Jesus Lord of your life you want to rededicate today you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism you need a healing in your body anybody else as the music plays Hallelujah. worship the Lord as the music's playing we'll finish this song out
Oh